Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. It's that time again. It is that time again, the daily Bible reading time, whatever that time is for you, whatever that, that season is for you during the day that you sit down with your Bible and, uh, and read the word. In fact, we were just talking about that. Yeah. Whether you sit down with a, a tactile physical paper Bible or a digital Bible. Yeah. What do you use? I, for my DBR, I typically use a, a paper Bible. I sit down, cup of coffee, highlighters, pen, yeah, paper. take notes in the paper, but then all my sermon prep is done just strictly Straight digitally. Straight digital. Yep. Crazy. Yeah. What, a, what an interesting world we live in. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I am currently re-examining my options. <laughs> because? I, I read a book, or actually I listened to a book, and let me just pull it out because I'd love to recommend it to you. If you're if you're a nerd like we are, and chances are you might be if you're listening to this podcast, you <laughs> might be nerdy like these guys here. Uh, there's a book by John Dyer called People of the Screen, How Evangelicals Created the Digital Bible and How It Shapes their reading of scripture. I'm interested. Does, does that sound provocative it or does. what? It does. That was, it was one, it's definitely one of my favorite reads of the year. And I, and I do a, a fair bit of reading, uh, but that just scratched my nerdy itch so hard. I, I am now all the more interested and I'm all the more unsettled at the same time. Like, I don't know what I should be doing. <laughs> should I have a paper Bible, a digital Bible, a combination of the two? And I think his primary point is that as evangelicals, as Christians, Christians in general, you should be thoughtful about the, the mode in which you approach it in. And the medium is the message as yeah. Neil Postman and his mentor once said. So therefore you should not read haphazardly. Um, figure out what makes most sense. Be intentional about it. Did he, I'm curious, did he address the audio Bible at all? He that? did. Yeah. He said the audio Bible was one of those, one of those new technologies that could not have existed apart from the, the iPhone or apart from smart devices. Cause although they were available, they were typically inaccessible because of their size or their cost. He says, but now they're, they're basically all free if you want them. Yeah. And he says, men are the primary users of audio Bibles. <laughs> Um, because they can do it and multitask, you know, go to the gym, driving to work, those kinds of things. And so that tends to be one of the primary user markets for audio Bibles. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that as far as retention? And I mean, is that a, is that a good thing? I've recommended people use audio Bibles in the past and, and I don't think it's a bad thing, but what are your thoughts on that? One of their users who reported using an audio Bible quite a bit said faith comes by hearing, right? And hearing from the word of the Lord. It's only in a recent, what, the last couple thousand years that we've been a highly verbal culture, uh, a written verbal culture. Prior to that, we were very oral. Yep. So I think there's something to it, but I don't think that we're there. Like we're not an, we're not an oral people in the yep. same way. Retaining oral tradition is much harder. So I don't think our minds are properly conditioned for that as a primary vehicle or means to ingest the scripture. Unless you happen to be one of those people, I, I guess they're out there. Yep. I'm not one. I don't think I know of anybody who's one of those people. I use it as a supplement and I, I typically... Um, only on my busiest days will I use it in place of my actual sitting down and reading. And th- those are rare days by and large. I'm, I'm a, I'm a words on the page. I can slow it down. I can study it. I can turn it verse over in my mind or an audio Bible. That's much harder to do. Yeah. Yeah. If you are interested in the audio Bible as a supplement, can I recommend an app to you called yes, dwell? You can. Oh, dwell D W E L L. Um, and you can download that from the app store. It is a subscription. It's relatively decently priced. In fact, uh, at one point I went to go cancel my subscription and uh, they Give cut the, discount. the price in half for me. So uh, that was great. 
Um, but uh, it's it's helpful. They've got different studies you can do. They've got all the Old Testament books, New Testament books. You can choose your reader. You can choose by version. You can choose um, whether you want somebody with an accent or not. I mean, it's I it's crazy. It. It's awesome. It's great. It's a beautiful app too. I it mean, really it's is. so well done. I, I bought a subscription. I, I bought the Lifetime subscription. Okay. I liked it that much. You have that on so many different things because you're an early adopter of these things. You find out about them early on. You get on board when they're just trying to raise funds. And then by the time that <laughs> I, I find it. out about it, it's $30,000 a month. Well, they don't have the lifetime anymore because they they've, they've wisened up or they have, uh, you know, I'm looking right now. Maybe they do have it in the, you know, you know how if you go down deep enough into their menu, sometimes it's hidden in places. Yeah. So it might be there. You may not know about it. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, Dwell Bible app, and, and there's, a, a, I think, some free access to it that you can kind of poke around and see what it's all about, but uh, they, even have, they even have sleep playlists, whereas you're drifting off to sleep, you mm-hmm. can put the Bible on and let the Bible read you to, to sleep, which I, I don't know if that's a good <laughs> I want to condition my brain uh, to do yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know that's a good thing. Never mind on that part, but the rest of it is, is great. Yeah. Hey, speaking of the Bible, let's jump into uh, our last. The Psalms are done, man. Our last one. Wow, here on we the go. Psalms. Until next summer. Until next summer. And or we'll unless back. we do a different Bible reading plan, which we've talked about before. Or unless we do that. That's an option, isn't it? But for this year, at least. For this year. This is the end of the Psalms. It. Yeah. And it's the last month of the third quarter. So if you got KPIs, you got goals, don't forget. Get to them. Hey, you know what my goal is? Psalm 148.1. Praise the Lord. That's your goal? Yeah, PTL. It seems like you achieved it, right? Yeah. You know? Well, I, I just like my whole life, right? Your whole life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise, 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 praise. Hey, what's Psalm 148 about? Uh, you know, I'm not quite sure. Praise, so like maybe. praise him, praise him, praise him, praise, let them praise, praise the <laughs> Lord, kings of the earth, all peoples, hey, praise, praise the Lord, hey, what is Psalm 148 about? It's about praising God, and uh, and it's it's just a, a, a good call to um, do just that, and it's not just a call to people, but notice verses three and four, it's a call to all of creation, when we've seen this before in the Psalms, but it's a reminder of what Paul talks about in Romans chapter one, that creation exists to testify to God's glory. We talked about this not long ago in our podcast that, that God has named the stars, right? And that's part of the, the, the purpose for creation is to exist, to praise God. That is that star. And you say, well, how does that work? A star doesn't have a, a mouth. The moon doesn't have a mouth. Um, true. But as the moon exists and fulfills its created purpose, it's praising God. It's shining, it's reflecting, right? It's praising God. And that's what we're to do as well. Kings of the earth, all peoples, princes, all rulers of the earth, young men, maidens, old men and children, verses 11 and 12. That's, that's, uh, that's everybody is supposed to praise the Lord now. Or in the Texas vernacular, all all, y'all, all y'all, all all y'all get after it. All y'all better be fixing to praise the Lord. That's right. But when's this going to take place? Well, we want it to take place now. That's our goal. And that's what we're after in, in we're after issuing this call on people to, to praise the Lord. But I think this is anticipating ultimately the millennial kingdom, because that's when everybody will be doing this when old and young alike will be doing this men and women alike will be praising the Lord. And so will everyone in the millennial kingdom be praising the Lord, mm, Pastor PJ? Well, that's a good question. I don't think I can argue that everybody in the millennial kingdom is going to be praising the Lord. Yeah. So maybe this is more of a hearkening forward to the New looking Jerusalem. forward to the final, the, the final, consummation of all things, the final. Um, yeah, man, that's, We'll get there in Revelation and, uh, and even before that. But uh, yeah, Millennial Kingdom is a, a fun study. Unless you're an amillennialist, you just <laughs> are like, forget it. I don't, it, it's right now. That's I, right. I simplify it. I, I like the simplicity it. of the amillennial position. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. Psalm 149, we won't, get, we won't open up that can of worms right now. Psalm 149 is, uh, hey, praise the Lord right there. Again, verse one, praise the Lord. I feel like I've seen this one before. Have you? I, I think so. It sounds familiar. 
Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice for the Lord takes pleasure. Look at that in verse four. The Lord takes pleasure in his people, Mm -hmm. that he finds pleasure in the people that he has chosen for himself. In this context, Israel, um, I think it continues now in this dispensation with the church. Um, but our response then, if, if he's taking pleasure in us, man, verse five, let the godly exult in glory and let them sing for joy on their beds. Um, this is just a, a, another call to praising God. And then 150 ends it the same way. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Let everything with breath praise the Lord. I stumbled over verse six. Okay. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands. Hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but the last time I came to a worship service with a sword in my hands was yester never. <laughs> never. Unless you're at Southern's graduation services. In which case, do they bring swords? They give people swords. I Shoot, man. Don't you remember I, I, Pastor Lucas had a sword hung in his office that he got as a result? Of, I think it's, they give it to their doctoral students. Okay. Well, the, I need to get back to it then. I, I definitely would like a sword. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So I, I read this and I'm thinking, I, first of all, the concept of praising God and taking vengeance on his enemies. Okay. I, I can put them together in my mind, but I, I have to admit when I read Psalm 140, this is why you should read the Bible all the time because yeah. I am sure I read this before. But for whatever reason, when I read this, the, the most recent time I did, I was like, what on earth? How does, wait a minute, how do these things go together and when does this take place? And I guess granted, Psalm 149 written to a different people at a different time. Th- these were God's people and their, their job was to take vengeance on God's enemies. That was their role as, as God's representatives, Israel. This is not our job today, uh, but is there any sense in which we as Christians can look at this and say, okay, yeah, someday this is going to be what we do. Yeah, we reference the millennial kingdom. So in uh, Revelation 20, you've got a scene, Revelation 19 and then 20, but Revelation 19, you've got a scene with Jesus coming back as the 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 king, the king of kings and Lord, Lord of lords. It's the name that's written on his thigh, it says there. And he's leading an army and the army that he's leading are the saints and it's us. It's the church. It's We're clothed in white linen at that point and he's come back to the final battle. Um, when everybody is is gathered against him, including Satan, the Antichrist, the false prophet, they're all there gathered against the Lord, and, and then it, it just is it's it's done, it's over. Um, right. So we never actually make contact with the enemy because no. he he does it himself. Right. So it seems like here though there is, I mean, there's a suggestion of contact. I right. suppose it doesn't tell you exactly that, but they execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples. Verse seven. Right. I don't think that's a call for the church. You, certainly not. And let's be clear about that. Right. No one's telling Christians to <laughs> take up arms and, and to take out God's enemies. Right. But when God calls his people to do this, this for Israel was their honor, right? This was their, this was their joy. In fact, that's what verse nine says. This is the honor for all his godly ones. Mm. Praise the Lord. What a different time we live in. And I thank God that it's not me. Let him do it. Right. I prefer not to be part of this. Right. By the way, the ESV study Bible, not super helpful on this verse because I, I opened it up when you brought this up and it says, well, Psalm 149.6 takes a startling turn with the high praises of God in their throats and a two-edged sword in their hands, an unexpected element in corporate worship. And then it just moves on. That's it. <laughs> Thanks, ESV study Bible coming in clutch with the hot takes. Super insightful. Super insightful. <laughs> it, it, that's what you do. When you, when you don't know what the passage says, you just tell people what the passage says and then you just keep preaching. And then you just keep that's preaching. what you do, man. Exactly. It's like, and moving on. It's yeah. like, wait, did he cover that? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he said he that did. it was there. <laughs> don't worry about it. Well, again, Psalm 150 then is a, a fitting close to the book of Psalms, with especially with verse six. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen and, and amen. That's the aim, and that will ultimately take place someday. That's right. And we're Not soon enough. Nope. Well, let's jump over to 1 Corinthians, and we are 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we pick up in, uh, it says verse, verse 16. 16. 
If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. Now, why is verse 16 separated in your ESVs from the rest of the chapter? I don't know, because it really sets up what comes next in a helpful manner. And I got to be careful not to preach my legs out from under me here, because this is our text for Sunday morning. Just do um, it. But here he, turns, builds character. <laughs> here he turns to the, the subject of the Lord's Supper, or uh, if, if I can be so bold as to just call it communion. That's what we're calling it here at our church. That's what you're going to hear me reference it as at church on Sunday. And so if you are of the older ilk and you like the term the Lord's Supper, that's fine. We're going to call it communion. I think communion is just a more accessible um, terminology for people to to understand what we're talking about. But that's, that's what we're dealing with here. And uh, one of the reasons why it's called communion communion is because it's for the purpose of communing together as the local body. It's supposed to be an, an observance that was marked by unity. In the early church, it was it looked a lot different than what we do today in the sense that it was joined with a common meal that people would enjoy together in the church. And that's what Paul's indicting and charging the church with wrongdoing uh, in, in these opening verses, verses 17 through 22. What would happen is those with more means and those that had more uh, more wealth would, would bring the food and the drink that, and supply the, the meal for those in the church that may have had less or um, not been able to, uh, to to be there, even it's, there's an implication of time. Some of the poor had to work different hours than the rich who may have had more leisure at their time. They, they couldn't get there at the right time, or maybe they were running a little bit behind, whatever it was. The point is that there were some in the church that were just going on with the meal without focusing on the unity of the body, which is part of the purpose of communion or the Lord's Supper is to produce this united meal together. And so you had these uh, people in the church that were uh, were eating and even going to the point of getting drunk, getting intoxicated, verse 21, while somebody else shows up and has nothing and is going hungry. And Paul's saying, this isn't right. You're abusing what the intention of this meal was for. Is this what the love feast is? That, is this what that refers to the the love feast, the meal that precedes the Lord's Supper? Is that From what's John. happening here? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And this though too was supposed to be a, a setup of unity, of fellowship, of bringing the body together, and it's not taking place. Verse twenty three. Then Paul gets into specifically the the observance of the Lord's table, the Lord's Supper, communion, where he says that the passage that we know so well, it's read before communion services so often, which is, I received from the Lord what I also delivered. He talks about breaking the bread and taking the cup. And the, the phrase that's repeated twice there is, do this in remembrance of me, verse 24. And then also in verse 25, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. There are a lot of different views. There's four main different views of what the the act of communion involves here. And there's one in the Catholic church called transubstantiation. That is that the body and and blood, that the bread and wine literally become the body, the actual body and wine and blood of of Jesus, um, which is an uh, over-literalization of the text here. And, And it also denies a lot of what the book of Hebrews talks about, which is a single sacrifice for all time. He's perfected. So the, the ongoing sacrificial elements of the mass that, that transubstantiation is, is the body and blood are, are being continually offered every time communion is observed. It, it's, it's a problem when we look at the, the finality of the offering of Christ, the, the, it is finished even from the cross. Um, the, the other view consubstantiation, which was adopted by a lot of Lutherans says, well, it's not literally, but the, the literal body and blood is with the elements and a, a lot and of this, within a month. yeah, a lot of this sounds really confusing and that's because in a lot of ways it is, it's, it's mystical in, in so many ways and there's this experience of it. But the, the problem is the Lutheran view doesn't, doesn't answer the objections to the Catholic view. Really. It just makes it not the, the, the actual wafer or wine or juice in our instance. 
And then there's the, the reform view, which says that this is a spiritualization of things, that we are spiritually feasting on the body and blood of Christ. And, and that's taught in a lot of Presbyterian churches and others. And then there's the Baptist view, which is our view here at, at Compass Bible Church, which is that this is a memorial, that this is something that we do to remember. And that's why I pointed out that twice here in this passage, he says, do this in remembrance of me. And so that's why we observe communion together as the church is to remember Christ's sacrifice. So one quick point on this, as we read through stuff like this, you might say, well, it's so obvious that our position's right. Um, let's, let's try to empathize with our brothers and sisters in Christ who look at this and say, well, it says right here, this is my body. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. You, you, you can pretty much understand, even if you disagree with, oh, I understand why you would, you would lean so hard on that. Some of my some of my best friends as Christians, uh, those who haven't had the privilege of going to seminary would look at a passage like this and say, that's what exactly what it says, right? That's, that's what the passage says. So why would I, why would I believe it's merely a remembrance if the passage says here, this is my body, which is for you, which argues again to, to, to be people of the book, to know your Bible, to exercise good hermeneutical principles. And even with that, there's no guarantee that we're going to end up at the same place. Nevertheless, this is not a first order issue. We don't divide over this. Uh, I would probably, I don't know, Pastor PG, would you call this a second order issue, a second tier? I think it depends on the view being embraced. I think there are first level issues with the Catholic view of communion. Yes. Well, okay. So that one, I'm kind of in my mind. I'm separating that one because that one is substantially different. Yeah. yeah nice. <laughs> it's transubstantially different. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in any case, my point, my point is exercising grace with our brothers and sisters who would understand the communion right. slash Lord's Supper as something different than how you and I understand it. Right. We can exist together and still love Jesus. Yeah. I would agree with that. hundred percent. His application then to the church outside of this, and it's the application for you and I today, is we need to be careful about how we approach the Lord's, the Lord's table, the, the, the Lord's Supper, communion. The problem with the church in Corinth is they were not treating this with the gravity that it required. And as a result, God was disciplining some of them. This love feast that took place beforehand, this, this gathering together to enjoy a meal before they observed communion, uh, we don't do that today. They were doing it. It was part of the, the worship service. And that part of the worship service was producing division and factions there. And they were going into the observance of the Lord's Supper divided and and uh, at odds with each other. And that's one of the exact opposite reasons why the Lord's Supper exists. It's there to unite us and bring us together as a body of Christ. So God was punishing some people, including even to the point of death, which is is weighty to say the least. Yeah, God will take you out. If you're sinning, God will yeah. take you out. Yeah, and, uh, and, and yet this is done, I think, not for the purpose of, uh, of saying this is a rejection that, that those people were going to hell, but that this was God's discipline in their lives to, to prevent sin and ongoing sin in the camp. Right, right, right. So, so yeah, so we get to apply this this weekend as we gather together for the church and it's observe exciting. our first communion together. So Man. it's exciting. Can't wait. Yep. So that's First uh, Corinthians chapter 11. And uh, yesterday and today, and then tomorrow we get into the uh, the fun fun stuff with First yes. Corinthians chapter twelve and the Proverbs. So make sure you join us again tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Mm-hmm.